Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. You know, it's the family business. His two brothers, Steve and Al, were, were announcers, are announcers. His son, Kenny, is an announcer. I mean, that's, you know, they're the Mannings of announcing. They are. And Marv's the best of them. And I've known Marv a long time. And I love Marv, respect Marv, love Marv, think he's just great. I think he was quoted as saying, now that he's done, he's going to take up things like ballroom dancing, which made me laugh because he's not going to take up ballroom dancing. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty then. Here we are. We're doing three days in a row because I have Thursday and Friday off because the PGA is on ESPN. So I'm grateful for that. Michael is here six feet one inches apart on Uncle Benny's table. Steve Sands will join us. Uh, Gary and Chris will join us for a news segment. The Open is is pretty simple. I mean, the Nats stink. They don't score any runs. Michael, you think they're one of the five worst teams in baseball? I mean, their record is what it says it is. Yeah. They're terrible. Not only that, but their relieving is awful. Patrick Corbin gave them what would be considered a quality start. Will Harris came in and gave up a home run that was the decisive home run. And Wander Suero, on his return to the big leagues in his first pitch, He's gave back. up a home run. Why He should not be in the big leagues. <laughs> this, is, you know, this is really not open for debate. He's terrible and has been terrible for a long time. But as Michael scolded me about this morning, the story is not the pitching. They leave so many runners on base. It was 11, 11 last night? LLBs. Yeah. yeah. And the, the story for me is you. the last two weeks, you've been focused on the idea of manufacturing and bringing runs in. And you look at the way the Cubs were hitting last night. You had you had Bunts. You had you know, sack Anthony flies. Anthony Rizzo's a great you, player. You looked at a team that knew how to play in some adverse weather because it looked worse and the filter showing it on TV. And, and the Nats only seem to score on home runs. Now, sometimes you might have one or two on, but that's that's it. They're not moving the line, as FP would say. What are you yes. looking at the dog? Well, the dog's chewing on something. I don't know what. Could you just go see what the dog is eating? Sure. I hope it's not your brace. I really, my ankle brace. I need to talk about my ankle brace. Um, the Wizards lose. Now, that, that surprised me because I actually thought that the, that the Boston Celtics had stopped playing. I thought they'd quit. Uh, and I thought, I thought the Wizards would win easily in Boston. And they got trounced in the second half. They have another chance as will the loser of the Lakers and the Warriors tonight will have another chance. The loser of 7-8 plays the winner of 9-10. The winner of 9-10 has to win two in a row to get into the playoffs. So this will be Indiana. The Wizards will play Indiana. Indiana on paper is a significantly better team than the Wizards, but they haven't been. You know, they, they've lost a whole bunch of games. They're, you know, the Wizards finished ahead of them. Yeah, so. you look at the second quarter last night. The Wizards looked like they were finally starting to separate themselves, and yeah, then they just, stopped, and, and just, then they started committing fouls. And, and it's almost like the Celtics looked around saying, this is still actually in we play. We can Let's win this it. game. The Celtics said— Tatum then goes and puts up 50. Yeah, yeah. Jason Tatum had 50. The Celtics said to themselves, we did everything we could to lose and finish out of the playoffs, and they're not letting us do it. So let's just win this one and see what happens. They had some good looks from three, though. You know. Okay, so the larger story for me is my. I wanted to talk about my ankle. Um, so when we left this story, I had been thwarted by an insurance company from getting an MRI, even though my doctor, Dr. Kaguchi, said, you need to get an MRI on your right ankle. Finally, through personal negotiation that I had nothing to do with, doctor to doctor, I was cleared to get the MRI, as every, I think we talked about this, and it revealed a torn ligament in my right ankle. We didn't get the final diagnosis till just now that it's torn, torn. A torn ligament in my right ankle. No idea how it happened. I've no idea. Now, is this a surgery situation? Well, I'm going to get to that. Okay, I'm going to get to that. So I then, uh, through the auspices of MedStar and my friends at MedStar, I got an appointment yesterday at Georgetown Hospital at 10 o'clock in the morning. And by the way, if you are in the Washington area and something goes wrong and you want to go to Georgetown Hospital, you cannot park. Take a car, you know, take, take <laughs> yeah. a cab or something. So you can't, can't park. I parked five blocks away illegally and walked. It's hard to get close with the construction. It's just, yeah, they're constantly, year after year after year after year, building and rebuilding the hospital. Anyway, so I go to the doctor, Dr. Paul Cooper. I go to the foot and ankle pavilion, in effect, on the first floor 
of the main building of Georgetown Hospital, which is a, it's very it's large. Maze. It's a very, very large hospital. And when you walk in, they take your temperature and they want to know where you're going and who your appointment is with. And then they direct you as to how to get there. So I go there and I, I see Paul Cooper, who is a doctor, foot and ankle specialist. And I give him the MRI disc. And he looks at, you know, by the way, like a regular person looking at these things, it just looks like a glob. Like when they put it on the screen and it, it, it pulsates back and forth. It could be something out of the 60s at a disco. It just, no, it's unreadable. <laughs> it's unknowable. Unless you're a doc, it's unknowable. I don't know what it is. Like he couldn't even, if he wanted to show me my ankle, I couldn't have understood in the glob that was the disc what my ankle was. Anyway, he said, I have some good news for you. Let's get to that first. He said, I don't think this is a surgical situation. And I said, good, because at my age, I wasn't going to opt for surgery anyway. I was going to do it. And he said, I really don't think you have to, but we're going to have to get you orthotics to wear in your shoes. Do you know what those are, Mike? Yeah, he I had a quizzical thought, look. I thought you already had orthotics. He asked me if I had them. I said, no. Do well, I have I them? Think it's a, I think it's a fair question for somebody of your age and stature. Do you think I have orthotics? I just, I just thought you might. I don't. I don't. Nigel, have- do you have orthotics? Sean, do you have orthotics? Oh, I think Nigel, Nigel left us. Off. We don't care about Nigel. Sean, do you have orthotics? I do not. Right. Is it common among your friends? You're young. Is it common among your friends to have orthotics? Um, they're, they're things that balance your feet out. You put them inside your shoes and they balance you, right? Is that fair to say? I think. Yeah, but I think there's two paths. You can have the custom orthotics or you could have yes. something that you get off the rack. That like you're Dr. Scholl's. That you're sort of cutting to your, no, to, no, to your no. heel. No, they, they then used... Uh, they use some device to take pictures of my both feet and I will be fitted for orthotics. Okay. Then they gave me an ankle brace and they said, you need to wear this ankle brace. You, you put it on. Here's how you put it on. They put it on for me. I kept it on all day, no matter what shoe I wore. I struggled to get it inside the shoe, the bottom part. And then, because I played golf yesterday, I walked the course and I walked the course with the ankle brace. And this is the point of the story. Now, the, the ankle brace fit into your golf shoe. I forced it to fit into my golf shoe. Okay, if you're going to be wearing that all summer, you might need to get a second pair of shoes that's like a wide. Yeah, yeah. So, no, you're right. So, I knew that I should wear this. Um, The other part, they said, I have to go to physical therapy. Physical therapy is disturbing to me at my age because I think I've described this before. Most large physical therapy places have a big room where people over the age of 70 are holding in their right wrist or left wrist some elastic band and going back and forth as if they are churning butter on a gulag in in the steppes of Russia. And I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Anyway, I don't want to be like defiant, but I'm just not doing that. The problem that I had, and everyone will relate to this who has, I have no mechanical skills, none. It took me a long time to learn how to put gas in a car. I don't see things the way other people see things. I don't have any sense of spatial relations. I just, I just don't have it. I was a good English student. I was a good history student. I'm not that other person. I was not a good science student. I'm not architecturally sound. I don't have any sense of proportion. I just don't have it. So when I took off the ankle bracelet last night, ankle brace, This morning, I could not put it back on. I put it on backwards two times in a row, and my my toes were, I I just, I couldn't fit my toes through. So when Michael got here, I said, with an embarrassed tone, I I don't know how to put this on. Could you help me? So since I was a kid, (laughs) you always had me replace the gas tank on our grill, and I start there, because I always thought this was just something that you did because you wanted to avoid the hassle of actually attaching the hose to how. the tank, I don't know making how. sure the line is secure, and then... Conceptually, I don't know. And then it. I, it continued to. You didn't know how to turn the grill on. You, you learned how. how to turn the grill on, no, but no. you still make mom do it just because I, I think you, you want to needle her. Okay. I show up today, you have this ashen look on your face and just goes, I can't do it. I can't get it on. And when you <laughs> nice. mentioned putting it on backwards, this is a brace that has an opening at the top for your foot One opening at and the then bottom. an opening at the bottom for the toes. Right. If you get, you really shouldn't be able to put it on backwards. I tried to jam my toes into what what is the brace. I had it on completely backwards, and I couldn't figure it out. It's just, 
It's the visual of this, it looks, it looks like the letter L. It's an elbow brace, you know, an elbow-shaped brace at the bottom. So I think visually you'd be able to figure that out. Now mm. I understand the straps. It might take a little while to get the idea. Like, well, one of them, there's two straps. I couldn't even find how to tighten one of them. I didn't know where the Velcro was. Now this is a pretty good-looking brace. It, it it looks like the material that would be like the Tom Brady wetsuit that you go out in those cold games, the uh the the neoprene. I was sort of hoping it would be like a old fashioned, you know, whalebone yeah. corset. Like from maybe China in the nineteen twenties that yeah. washed up on the shore. Yeah, no, it's it's um probably close to state of the art. I don't know. Anyway, so the orthotics will come in a while and and then we're going to have a fight, I guess, about the physical therapy. I mean, if you... Fight, you're just not going to go. Well, if they explain to me what the physical therapy is, I don't want to be in a big room with 50 people my age where 15 minutes in, and then they start then playing fiddle music as if you're supposed to dance, even though you can't move. <laughs> attach, I don't want to do that. Attach the rubber tube to the door, yeah, I don't, door jam. Don't want to do that. Do leg circles. Don't want to do that. So that's... <laughs> That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I played a match yesterday. We won. Daryl Clark and I won. I was happy about it. Any that. meaningful putts for you? No, none. Uh, well, I parred, I parred four. I had to sink a six-footer. All about the descending to loft the right, technology. Moving to the right, and I did it, but the others, no. So we were. that was nice, and I ran into Tom Jones and said, I'm catching up on the podcast. You mentioned me the other day. And I said, yeah, you know, because you were Brad Faxon's best friend in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now he'll hear this again. He'll be happy. We'll take a break. Speaking of Brad Faxon, we will have Steve Sands of NBC and the Golf Channel when we return to talk about the PGA at Kiowa on the Ocean Course, which when I watch Golf Channel at night, which I've done the last two nights, you know, live from. Stunning. They just say this is the hardest course in America. The longest course prepared for major. It can play over 8,000 yards. Hardest, longest course in America. So we'll talk to Sands about that when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Simply Safe ad. I think it's well-written. I think it's a little overly dramatic, but I think it's well-written. Simply Safe is an award-winning home security system, so you know it's engineered with the latest technology that you want to keep your family safe. But what really sets Simply Safe apart is its people. Highly trained security experts who are always there for you when you need them most. These are people who truly care about keeping you safe. When an alarm goes off, a person who cares will be there for you with a phone call to make sure you're okay. When an emergency happens, a person who cares. You see the motif? It's, it's well done. A person who cares will be there for you to get fire and police responders to your front door right away. Even if you're just having a problem setting up your system, a person who cares will be there for you with a friendly chat and a quick resolution. The bottom line is, when you need the most, Simply Safe will be there 24-7 with people who care and experts trained to not only keep you safe, but also to make you feel safe. To learn more about how Simply Safe can help protect you and your family, visit simplysafe.com slash Tony. If you do it today, you can customize your system and get a free security camera. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. That's simplysafe.com slash Tony. Simply is spelled S-I-M-P-L-I. And as I've told Michael a number of times, as I walk through my neighborhood, I see more and more Simply Safe signs in the front yards of houses. Simplysafe.com slash Tony. Use the code. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a lovely letter. It's written by Jackie, who is a loyal little and a proud mom. She writes, you were kind enough to play my daughter Emma Houghton's music a couple of years ago when she was part of the band Willower, and her musical style has evolved from dream pop to more experimental ambient music. She now has a debut solo record called The Bath that is being released on May 21st. That's this week if it's not today, and it is one of those rare feel-good pandemic stories, though it didn't feel so good at the time. She wrote it as her senior thesis in experimental music last spring at Bard College, that's in New York City, and it was meant to be a concert for eight voices to be performed live, and then the pandemic hit and shut everything down. Undaunted, she came home and recorded all the parts herself alone in a small bedroom, producing and mixing it on her own. She ended up with an original solo work that not only earned her accolades from her professors, it also earned her a record contract with Trapped Animal Records. How cool is that in the UK? <laughs> who was releasing the album through Bandcamp and various online retailers here in the US. And that's what I call being able to pivot during a pandemic. I am proud to have raised a girl with such shaputzvah. We'd both be grateful if you could share some music from the album with your listeners. This is called Watershed. It's Emma Houghton. It's absolutely spectacular. It's hypnotic. It's absolutely spectacular. And it plays in Steve Sands. And I want to talk about 
the Ocean Course at Kiowa, where they will play starting tomorrow, the PGA. But first, how was the Walker Cup at Seminole and all the greats that you bumped into? How was it? Well, if there's anything in the world better than bumping into Sam Reeves and Jimmy Dunn, then I've yet to find it. Sam Reeves is the most spectacular man on the planet. <laughs> He's the greatest. He um, it was great. Seminole's great. Um, the Walker Cup. I'd never been to the Walker Cup, Tony. I thought it was really cool. It's, it's basically for, for people who are listening, it's the, it's the Ryder Cup for amateurs. Um, United States versus GB and I, Great Britain and Ireland. And uh, the kids played really well. Uh, they were sick. Wow, Tony, it was it was horrifying to see how sick the kids were from the food poisoning or whatever they got. Um, wow, but Mr. they Fox played really well. Really, yeah, it was it was real was rough. They played great. Uh, Seminole looked great. Did. Tremendous did. to have that event. Um, it was really cool, and uh, it was a little tighter than I think people thought it was going to be. The United States was heavily favored, and it ended up only being fourteen twelve. So it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was an honor to do it. I understand that um, young Walker Kornheiser has a gift as a result of this. <laughs> well, I remember when Walker was born, and I remember Michael telling me that Walker came from the Walker Cup. So in this day and age where there's not a lot of hospitality, there's not a lot of uh, fans, there there aren't a lot of tents to go buy uh, gear there happened to be this little shop and i saw it and it said you know walker cup on it and i saw shirts and hats and all that kind of stuff and i thought you know what i wonder how old walker is these days and i uh, saw so i shot michael a text and just said hey how old is is walker and he said i think he said he's four he's gonna be five gonna be four uh, no gonna right. be four next month gonna be gonna very be large gonna four. Be four. But he's big. Four. A, a, and, a pro uh, move well, by Steve Sands to, to text this to text the. How old is Young Walker? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, because it went to Walker Cup. I was like, yeah, hey, I remember Walker was you know born uh, and named after the Walker Cup. So I, I sent him a text. And how was Walker these days? He's four this summer, I think. And uh, so anyway, uh, knowing that Michael is you know six nine two eighty power forward, I figured why not. Uh, buy old Walker a t-shirt and send it to Michael. So um, I think that's so, very kind of you. Sadly, Liz no, mixed the name no. Tillinghast. So. <laughs> Second job. so that's too bad. There's not a Bootsy cup and we could have that. Um, the logo, yeah, by the it. way, was beautiful. The logo, yeah, the logo cool. of the Walker cup is beautiful. It's really yeah, nice. It was very, it's really nice. They do such All a right. nice job with, with those yeah. types of things, Tony, you know, at big events like that, when they do, uh, big events at cool places like Seminole. Uh, they do such a cool job, um, a great job with logos. And I, I thought, yeah, what the heck, buy Michael a T-shirt but for, uh, for his kid and make him look like a hero. So. It's very, very nice. Um, so I'm watching, I was watching on the last day, and they cut to a picture of, of uh, the great Sam Reeves talking with Larry Fitzgerald. I just said, yeah, my God. And so I texted I texted Sam right away, who also said, Marty West is here and he's busting on <laughs> you. And and then, you know, I got pictures from of you and Dr. Chet Maxson. And Chet says, I'm on the other side from Sam. I said, well, get into the camera shot, for God's sake. Sam's monopolizing the camera. So it was, it was really nice. And I also thought, I did I did think that that the sort of way both teams dressed was very nice. I like those oh, yeah. events. I do. Oh, I'm a great. sucker for it those really events. Cool. It was so Good. cool, Tony. I'm telling you, I, I, I thought when I got the assignment, I'm like, oh, you know, Walker Cup, that's going to be cool. I've never done it. It was really, really cool. By the way, Larry Fitzgerald, it was it yesterday's show or the day before, you were saying he's everywhere. He is everywhere. Man. Yeah, he's everywhere. He looks, everywhere. He looks, fan, he looks fantastic. Um, I think Larry might end up in Tampa Bay uh, playing for those Buccaneers and yeah. And Tom Brady, perhaps, perhaps. But he uh, he was a marshal. He wasn't just walking around like a fan. He was actually working. Larry he's Fitzgerald. Cool. He he's a great. nice, he's was, a nice uh, guy. He's a nice cool. kid. It was very good. Hey, by the way, before we start talking about golf, can I say one thing? I, yes. I text Michael Wilbon this. Listening to Michael Wilbon, who I, who I have known for years, but listening to him talk to you yesterday, Tony, or the day before, the um, Hall of Fame yeah. about his experience at the Hall of Fame was as riveting a thing as I've heard on your show for a long, long time. Just to hear 
how amazed he was at the moment, uh, how great it was, um, how humbled he was by it. Uh, that was a very, very big deal going in. And then for him to have that amazing of an experience while he was there, good for him. It's well-deserved. Michael is a, is a legend, man. I love the guy. And uh, he does fabulous work. You guys are great together, obviously. But just to hear him, the excitement uh, in his voice when he was explaining all of that to you yesterday or the day before, I forget which day it was, but it was Monday. It was so Monday. great to yeah. hear him. And, and it was lovely. So well it was, deserved. It, I'm happy for him. It really was. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was very thrilled for him. All right, let's get to this. I have watched for two nights in a row. I've watched live from the PGA, and right. and my impression is not only I've never been to Kiowa. Not only is it beautiful, but it seems to be the hardest, longest course in the United States. Is that in fact true? <laughs> I don't know if it's the hardest, uh, but it is going to be the longest major championship uh, ever played. Now that's from the tips. I'm not sure they're going to tip it out on all 18 holes and get it out to, you know, north of 7,800 yards. It depends on the wind, but uh, it is a beast of a golf course. And if the wind howls, uh, it'll be as challenging as, as you can possibly imagine. I think the wind is going to be, you know, somewhere in the 10, 15, 20 range coming right off the ocean. Um, and unlike, say, Torrey Pines next month uh, for the U.S. Open, where they have the cliffs, this is right along the ocean, you know, classic East coast, right, right along uh, the water and the sand. So the golf course uh, is a big boy golf course. It is a massive property. Uh, you better hit your golf ball well here because when the wind is up, the, the temperatures are fine. It's the high seventies, low eighties all week. There's not going to be any rain, but the wind is going to make it very, very tricky for these players. There are certain players who grow up in certain spots who learn to play again you know to play with the wind and i will give this example it's a famous name drop but it doesn't matter to me many years ago 15 16 18 years ago i had the occasion and the, and the rare honor to play a round of golf with vince gill the country singer and vince gill is pretty darn close to big time amateur quality i mean he is more than a scratch. He's a plus two or something like that. And he grew up in Oklahoma. And the ball flight, and this is just the natural ball flight he had, which he did not need at RTJ on this particular day, when he shot 70, walked on and shot 70. He didn't need to do that. But I asked him about it. He said, when you grow up where I grow up, you know, there's so much wind, you learn to keep the ball low and you fashion shots low. Are there players, I assume, the British players probably have to do that. Is there is there a prototypical American player who does that, or are most Americans high ball long hitters? Well, Tiger has that stinger, but he's not in the field this week. So right. you need to have that low uh, piercing ball flight. Uh, an American, not not so much. But there's, I'll tell you what. Forget the Brits, Tony. How about the Australians? The Australians so, play in wind. They know what okay. it's like to play in the sand and the wind. Um, that that Those are the guys uh, I would look for uh, this week to have a lot of success. Okay, that makes sense to me. The, the history of Kiowa, I understand that Rory won the PGA there, yep. but for most of us, the history of Kiowa is one event, the War by the Shore. It's the Ryder Cup yeah. event. I, I watched a special on it a couple of nights ago, which was tremendous to watch. Uh, the last match, I guess, is Irwin and Longer, and Longer doesn't make a particular putt, and the Americans win. Were you were you at that? Were you at that? And is that in fact like the singular moment of Kiowa? Yeah, well, that's the that's what made Kiowa Island and the Ocean Course uh, famous for the world, uh, and then the PGA uh, nine years ago. I was not at that Ryder Cup, um, mm -hmm. but I remember it. Uh, I was doing sports at the time, and I remember, you know, talking about it, showing the highlights, those kinds of things. But I was not at it personally. That was the, that was the event. Not only is that one of those special Ryder Cups back then that made the Ryder Cup is what it is today, but it also changed the course of history as far as, say, Bernard Langer. You know, that was when he had the, the putting issues. Um, that's what Seve Ballesteros is one of those guys uh, who made the Ryder Cup such a huge event. Uh, there was a lot 
going on that particular week. There was a little bit of hatred, which you need in sports, um, a little bit of jealousy, which you need in sports. And that war by the shore, because this golf course is literally right on the shore, uh, was just fabulous for golf, uh, for sports, uh, for international competition. But in particular, the Bernard Langer miss uh, was one of the things that made Bernard Langer uh, go from being a, you know, a, a monster force uh, major champion. He dipped all the way down and then somehow rose above that a couple of years later, came back from all those putting yips and won the Masters again. Um, it was a, an amazing week for golf, uh, in particular for Bernard Langer to, to reach the, the mm-hmm. depth of, of his career and then rise above that. Because when you miss a putt like that, Tony, in that match, in that setting, with all that pressure, uh, it can crumble you. And it did for a while, but he ended up coming back and ended up having a wonderful Hall of Fame career. So what, what, what I've seen so far in, the, you know, in watching the, the retrospective on that and the retrospective on Rory, though Rory won by, I think, eight shots and when he eight won. Shots. But they don't have to trick this course up, right? It's hard enough as it is. They don't have to do no. anything to it. Absolutely. It, it is hard. It, it's, it's a P-Tie design, um, which means nothing to, to people who are listening other than the fact that you already know it's going to be a stern test. And one of the great things about it is nature, mother nature, is in charge. If the wind blows, it's going to be more difficult. If the wind does not blow, uh, then, it's, then it's a relatively benign golf course for these types of players. For us, right. it's a lot different. The wind isn't supposed to howl, but the difference here, more so than places where the wind does blow regularly, is that with the tide, the wind changes. And we've talked about this before, and Michael knows this well. Cold, rain, that doesn't bother professional golfers nearly as much as wind. And wind tricks them because they're so specific with their yardages. And when they don't have the ability to be that specific, it becomes more challenging for them. And this golf course in particular, the wind gets up and then it switches direction based upon the tide, based upon the time of day. And that really messes with the player. So they do not need to trick this golf course up. It's hard enough as it is. And if the wind just kicks up a little bit, which it's expected to, not crazy, Mm -hmm. but it's expected to be really windy. Nine years ago, on Friday, the wind was almost 30 miles per hour, and it really wreaked havoc uh, with the players. It's not supposed to be like that this week, but it is supposed to be up, and I think it's going to be a fantastic test. To, to all of Steve's points right there regarding the wind, you can isolate one single hole, a par three, number 17. And going back to 30 years ago, you looked at some of the misses based on where you were with matches that people had on that 17th hole where you're missing 30 yards uh, thirty yards left trying to avoid yeah. that water that's on the right. And that's you talk about high-low for the wind. It's interesting to try and see what kind of player can control and shape shots both ways so that you can try and hold a shot softly against the wind rather than get something that's riding on the wind that you don't have any control when it gets on the ground and can end up in one of those waste bunkers. Yeah, this is not like going to, to be, listen to Tony, him. This, yeah. is not, this is not going to be a putting contest this week. It, it, eventually, obviously, you have to make putts. But right. what's, going to be the, what's going to be the big thing this week is if you're a ball striker, you have got to crisply hit the golf ball this week because of the wind. If you are someone who doesn't hit the ball necessarily so straight and is, and is a terrific you know, putter, I don't think that's the recipe this week. It always is nice to be a good putter. But if you have a strong, piercing, crisp ball flight and also ball strike in this type of wind, I think that's the player to look at uh, this week for someone who's going to win the Wanamaker Trophy. Are there two or three guys that you look for who have that capability that you think will win this? Yeah, you know, if, if you're going to go off the board a little bit, not not go with the chalk, as Andrew Beyer would famously say. Um, yeah. I love Mark Leishman, uh, Cameron Smith, two Australians this week. Uh, Leishman loves playing in the wind, so does Cameron Smith. Uh, Charles Schwartzel, Louis Ustase, and a couple of South Africans. Uh, they were in the mix in a team event at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans a couple of weeks ago um, until an unfortunate shot uh, off the tee from Louis uh, in yeah, the playoff. Uh, exactly. I, I think those guys, they hit the ball so well, Tony, 
Uh, you remember Will Zalatoris, who played well yeah. at the Masters uh, and pushed Hideki Matsuyama? Will Zalatoris is, is known for not being a great putter, but is known for being an incredible ball striker. Uh, I like those kinds of players. Uh, not saying that Will's going to win, but he could. Uh, Colin Morikawa hits the golf ball very, very well. Um, he's the defending champion. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see um, who does it. But I, I have a sneaky feeling that Mark Leishman is going to bust through and, and win his first major championship this week from a little bit off the board. Does the fact that Rory McIlroy won there already give him any, and has won recently, give him any sort of advantage? Or is it just, no, that that's too long ago. It won't mean anything. I think the win a couple of weeks ago at Quail Hollow is a much bigger deal than his win nine years ago on this golf mm-hmm. course, totally different mm-hmm. person, you know, totally different body, totally different game, uh, mindset. Um, you know, he's settled into his professional career now and he hasn't won a major in seven years back when he was, you know, in, in 2012, he was the U S open champion at congressional. He was young. He was carefree and just kept going. Um, yes, he has good vibes on the golf course. Uh, and, Yes, he's familiar with it, perhaps more than the others, because of the win. Um, but I don't think nine years ago has anything to do with with this. If it was a course where they went to regularly, perhaps. Right. Uh, but I think the win a couple of weeks ago at Quail Hollow um, is a much bigger deal for his psyche uh, to come in this week with a win, knowing that he wasn't exactly razor sharp in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago and still got the victory. I think that's a much bigger deal uh, than his win here nine years ago as far as what will take place this week. I I think Rory's going to play well this week. I hope so. I like him. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, thank you. Talk to you soon. Yeah, you got it. Hope that shirt fits old Walker. Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you, Steve Sands, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Gary and Chris will join us. Nigel has prepared some news stories. Uh, including the finding of the tiger. Uh, he loves that tiger. That's a good, that's a good story. <laughs> so we'll be back. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Summer is coming, and for so many of us, it's the season of discomfort. It's hot out, and if you could sit around and just your underpants, you would. <laughs> MeUndies wants to make this the summer of comfort, and they want you to know that if you want to sit around in your underwear, that's absolutely allowed. Get comfortable and express yourself this summer with undies in a classic and bold colors and prints, uh, the fun and adventurous ones. Again, you never know what's going what's gonna to arrive on your doorstep. Rushing home to change into something more comfortable is a thing of the past. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Stay comfy in the undies all day. Get undies, socks, loungewear, and more, and choose from endless styles and sizes from extra small to 4XL. With their sustainably soft micromodal and ultralight breathe fabrics. With that new breathe fabric, you can feel the magic floating in the air. It's a faith okay. song for you, Dad. Okay. Now, this is my this is my personal anecdote that I was hoping I could get to. So we're sitting watching a Nats game. They're probably down by a couple runs. And I get a ping on my phone that the American Express card has been used to make a purchase. And that purchase... Our very own MeUndies. Fantastic. Liz was ordering some of the Breathe material. Now, did she use the code, you ask? She did use the code. Good. So I'm you not going to say which code. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to say which code, but she used a code. MeUndies has a great offer, uh, offer for Tony's listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has their problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash Tony. That's MeUndies.com slash Tony. Very good. Kay. I'm glad to know. Oh, Tony K. Oh, Tony K. Have I been doing this wrong the entire time? <laughs> Tony K. Well, you, you said <laughs> That's Tony. That's com slash Tony K. Good job. All right. <laughs> You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This letter comes to us from Patrick Fisher. Says I'm a Mel- I am elementary principal at Merrimack Elementary in the school district of Clayton, located just outside of St. Louis. When I did Monday Night Football, we stayed in Clayton. Clayton's terrific. It's a lovely, lovely little town. I'm writing to an extended invitation to Mr. Tony and the crew to our fantastic fifth grade promotion at 9.30 on June 3rd. This year, our event will look very different as we will be outside on our blacktop in a socially distanced setting 
so we can certainly find a safe place for a bald orange septuagenarian. While it is elementary school, so no Johnny Walker Blue, we can certainly be sure to have some Ted Drew's custard and fantastic St. Louis-style barbecue ready for you on your arrival. Everyone is invited, and considering that Mrs. Lay Saliza is St. Louis native, I guess we would accept even just Saliza, but we're a public school, so no charging stations for his Tesla. This isn't Loomis Chafee, <laughs> after all. We are, of course, aware that you will most likely not be attending in lieu of that. We'd like to ask you to consider two things. First, letting us be the official elementary school at Tony Kornheiser Show. Done. And two, please consider playing the music that is attached to this email. The music is from a band called Future Day. One of the band members is a son of our math specialist, and she couldn't be more proud of him and his music. This is Future Day. The name of the song is Follow Along Wax Wing. Uh, for people that want to send us their music, which can be heard it's in, an, in its entirety at the end of the show without me interrupting it. Michael, how do they do that? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. Now, Clayton, isn't that where that wonderful local restaurant is? J-Bucks? J-Bucks, yeah. yes, yes, yes. That's so a wait, funny Chris story. Chris has a Tesla? Yeah, Chris has yeah, a Tesla. it's blue and white. It's blue and white, <clears throat> and I'm sitting in it currently. Oh. Um, I just so, dropped my kids off at private school. Uh, can I just ask one quick thing here? Did, yeah. Tony, did I hear you right that, that that principal said fifth grade promotion? Yeah, I think that nowadays that's when elementary school ends and you go yep. to middle, middle school at sixth grade. grade. Not how Correct. it was with when I went to school where you went from sixth to seventh grade. So I think it's different Thanks, in Obama. various places. Yeah. Can I ask Indeed. you a question? Liberals you, ruin everything. We were just talking with Sands about Kiowa. You've played Kiowa, haven't you? You've been there. I do. My Alan Bubis, Dan Fisher, yeah. Uh, yeah. is down there right now. He has, t- he has a number of residences due to his immense wealth. And uh, <laughs> he, he is in Kiowa currently. Uh, and I actually turned down an invite to go to the PGA because I'm really uh, because he's down there with a bunch of guys. Because I'm still... You know, Tony, I heard you, it was either Monday or Tuesday, talking about the virus. and I, I mean, I'm, I'm nervous. vaccinated, but I, I, I'm still I'm like a little queasy. Yeah. And he couldn't provide a private plane, which was a little bit disappointing. <laughs> you know, I prefer to fly private. So, uh, but yes, I have been there and I have played, I have played the ocean course. I shot, and this is a, a proxy. They let you on the ocean 230. course. <laughs> how many, roughly how many golf balls did you go through? Well, we had, we had, um, caddies the whole i think you have to have a caddy when you play there michael you'd know better than me but i think i think you do i probably lost I, I, and i'm not ex- i know i exaggerate a lot. I, I probably lost between 18 and 20 because <laughs> oh, i just went, so great. I hit it i hit so, it like i'm so like a beach I like going over to the beach to get it you know mm, it's just so great it's not my problem 20 golf balls right all right nigel it's your show Thank you, Mr. Tony. Uh, you mentioned it before we uh, before the break that uh, we will t- uh, update you on the story about the tiger in Houston. That tiger has been found. In fact, it was found last weekend. And the exchange from the, the fugitives that were holding the tiger to the authorities was brokered by a Houston businesswoman by the name of Linda McInvale, who apparently knew the Quavises. Now, uh, one of the Quavis was the, the bloke that Corralled the tiger. He's wanted for murder. One of them was wanted for (laughs) murder. Yes. He he was on bail for murder. Yes. And then took off with the tiger. He was later found, but the tiger was was not found. So there was this panic for about a week as to where the tiger was. Uh, and apparently, it turns out that they the Quavises had owned the tiger for about nine months without a license. Somehow they knew McAdvale. I guess they they'd been to an athletic club, so there was some sort of relationship there. And uh, McAdvale was able to arrange or broker this exchange. Um, while Houston Police Department did not want to say where the location was where this uh, transaction occurred, uh, Quavis. His attorney said it went down at a West Houston tennis club, very reminiscent of spy <laughs> exchanges back in the 60s at Checkpoint Charlie. I can only imagine. It's going to so be a great go. 30 for 30. <laughs> Absolutely. Just Absolutely. The notion, what it went down at a tennis club. They had a tiger walking <laughs> around a tennis club? What? <laughs> With what? It had a on. It was a classy, classy, yeah. Yes. What? Just bizarre. That's- that, this, you you're know, right, I, Gary. It's a movie. It's a yeah. movie. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I, Crazy. I read this today um, that the, it was passed. You know, they couldn't find the tiger, obviously. It was passed between six and eight households who 
specialized in managing exotic animals. Like, there's an exotic animal underground that it was, like, passed through so that it couldn't be caught. Like, who are those people? And, Tiger and King, we get bro. those people on film. Right. I guess. It's just amazing. Yeah. This story should have happened in Florida. That's the only, right. the only really thing that have. weakens it. Very yeah. weird. That's a weird story. What else? Well, uh, let's talk about the weather for a minute, Mr. Tony. It's been unseasonably cool for the last few weeks here in Washington, D.C., with temperatures in the daytime rarely getting above 70, uh, and in the night going down into the 40s. And what that has meant is that the brood 10 of the cicadas uh, has not been able to really come out in force. The, the cicadas that have been able to emerge from their, their underground dwellings have been too lethargic because of the cold weather, and they just sort of sit around. They don't fly, and they're not able to mate, and that means they're easy pickings for birds and for foxes and for cats and dogs to be eaten. Tigers. Tigers, yes, yes, tigers on the odd occasion. But that will all end starting really today and tomorrow as a heat wave starts to take place in the nation's capital. Temperature is going to be up uh, into uh, the 90s uh, this Thursday and then throughout this weekend. So, uh, And I just want to read you uh, this direct quote from the Washington Post. In other words, there will be nothing to stop the cicadas from mass emergence by the weekend. So, yes, they are going to be in force so all this, is, this area. This is my question. I have two little boys <laughs> ready to stop them. Yeah. <laughs> so, Gary, where you live, which is well into Maryland, north of Washington, do you have the cicadas? It's, it is heavily wooded. In fact, I back up to a, to a park that's just all woodlands and, and trails and stuff, and I have not seen one yet. So uh, I keep waiting for that shoot a drop of course now it's going to be 90 degrees for a hundred straight days if yeah if right past his prologue um it's funny you mentioned your boys michael because i remember uh you know spike spike and ike are, are 16 and a half but sydney is nine so she was around the last time these things were out and they were out i don't know if you remember tony but they were out in force last time yeah, they were out. Which sure. I guess was 17 years ago it, it's like honestly i don't i don't know how else to describe the noise not only are they disgusting to look at, but you live with that for a while. But the noise, it's like, honestly, standing next to the beltway. It yeah. is, yeah. It is yeah. a yep. constant din. It's yeah. not, it, it, it doesn't drive you crazy. It just, you just look around and you go, I can't believe how consistent this particular noise is. In my neighborhood, they are out. They're not out in force at all, but on many of the trees, you see them. And, th and also, yeah, I guess too. the stupid ones climb up the telephone poles um, <laughs> because they're made of wood. But, but this, is, this is my question. There are, in Washington, there's an entire squad out there that plants trees in neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. And there are in front of my house two trees that have been planted, um, three trees actually, one planted about two years ago, one about five years ago, and one about eight years ago. They were not here for the last cicada run. And I, I, the cicadas drop into the ground pretty much where they come out of the ground. And I'm wondering, will the newer trees, will the cicadas land on them? Because they weren't here well, the last time. It's a, it's a supposed to be tone it's supposed to be that i know from our area that it's a lot of new developments that if the ground has been tilled in that time right and there's been new construction it's yes. not supposed to be as bad right okay I, we have we have tons of them i mean it's not like right. there's a hive of them you know flocking and, and eating a cow down to the bones or anything but like the we do they're mostly dead um and when nigel was saying the uh uh, too lethargic to mate. That's actually the working title of my memoir. So, yeah. <laughs> I just love that. It was cold. It's cold and they were lethargic. Welcome to my life. <laughs> so, I mean, we, I have probably one twenty-fifth of what I'm going to have within a week. Yes. And, but yeah. they're, you know, they're, they've climbed up, they climb them. up and they hold there. They just I take think, a Tony, position. You, those young trees, I think, will th there will be some migrant cicadas that find those new okay. trees. I mean, they can't just keep... They're not like salmon going to lay eggs well, and die. They're not? Because My they kid. only do this <clears throat> once every 17 years, so it does seem to me they are like salmon. No? Yeah, well, that's what I said. They're exactly like salmon. <laughs> yeah, that's what Gary said. You just didn't hear it. Fact check true. My kid, My kid told me this morning, so you know it's reliable, that 1.5... There are 1.5 million per acre. 
which is just terrifying. I don't really know how much an acre is because I'm not someone who works the land, but it just seems like (laughs) 1.5 million an acre is a lot. That, That is quite a few. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm very worried about the dog. The dog eating them and oh, being dogs sick. It's good yeah. protein. Yeah. Dogs yeah. Eat They're edible. Yeah. Yeah. People eat them. Well, I'm not eating Have you not seen the little side pieces of, you know, all the recipes that you can make with these little insects? Everyone's like, oh, no, yeah, you can really spruce them up with a nice garlic sauce or something If like anybody, that. right, if anybody invited me over to eat cicadas... At one of these dinners, I would not go. Yeah, you're all in for soft-shell crab season. Soft-shell crabs, I, well, I, there's a history of soft-shell crabs that I, I understand. Cicadas, I don't have. What else you got? Uh, talking about the NBA, uh, we talked about the Wizards lost to the Celtics last night. You mentioned they'll be playing the Pacers. The Pacers yeah. rolled over Charlotte last night, 144 to 117. So the Pacers will travel to Washington to face the Wizards, um, and the winner claims that final Eastern playoff spot. So who do we like, Gary and Chris? Well, do we, do we I, think I the Wizards get that, in? That um, it, it presents an interesting matchup because the, the Wizard, well, Russell Westbrook in particular, who was, um, and maybe you, I haven't read anything this morning about it, but I don't know if he was sick. I mean, it was it was a subpar game um, for Russell Westbrook last night, but his th- this season against the Pacers in three games. He has something like 75, 75, and 60. I mean, he's wow. had like multiple wow. 2020 games against them. Um, they looked really good last night, the Pacers and and, and the Wiz just uh, – well, Beal, of course, nursing his injury. The, the Westbrook thing was weird to me. I, did you guys see anything about that? Nope. I mean, he nope. just – he was no, not he just himself. He just didn't play well. Yeah, he just didn't play yeah. well. They, I mean, they went – I am optimistic, Tone. They went – three for 21 from three. That's so I, I don't think that, you know, let's say they make 40% of them. They're in that game uh, against yeah. the Celtics. Obviously they lost by 18. So I, I'm somewhat optimistic. The Beal is clearly hurt. You know, did you happen to see what Westbrook wore to the game last night? No, but he's was a, he like, he's all in like a, or something? he's a fashionista. He had, he's for years. Was, he's, he's, yeah, he this is. Was a, he is right. And he has his own clothing line and stuff. He wore yes. black leather pants, a right. black leather motorcycle vest and a black, um, t-shirt with like a, only the strong survive and a like motorcycle on it. He looked like a biker. It was, it, and there was like mm-hmm. some, uh, some like metal studs on there. He, he's, he takes some fashion risks. I've yeah. seen him, yes, he does take fashion risks, but I've seen him uh, talk about this, and it seems to be something that he is looking at for the rest of his life, that he really enjoys yeah. all of that. Guy, right? Yeah, West Coast guy, Yeah, L.A. guy, L.A. guy, yeah. yeah. Didn't want to go back and play for the Lakers. Didn't like Magic Johnson. Yeah. You know, could have. Didn't want to. Okay, what he, else? He Liz is definitely Kevin wearing Love leather pants same, today. He and Kevin Love were on the same team on UCLA. Is that right? I didn't know I that. I believe so. They, I mean, they're very close. I mean, that's a. I know Kevin Love has fallen off, but man, that's a that team yeah. it, for for that much talent. They didn't win enough. Well, what else? One more. One more uh, story, and let's go. Oh, out. just one more story. All right, well, then we will skip ahead. Sorry. We will go to the story we teased last week about Chicago, which it will probably please you, Mr. Tony, to know uh, that uh, for the sixth year in a row, Orkin, the um, the pest control company, has named Chicago the rat capital of the United States. Uh, Los Angeles coming in at second, New York at third, you and I'm won. sorry to say Washington, D.C. out of the medals at fourth place for that. But Chicago, Good. for six years in a row, is the rattiest city in the United States. So Chicago has come up with a plan that I'm sure nothing will go wrong with this plan. They're going to release uh, more than 1,000 feral cats onto the street and send the cats in <laughs> to eat the rats. Now, this is calling them cats at work colonies. Uh, they're actually going to, they've been neutered, so they're not going to be breeding. There won't be more feral cats coming out of this. And all been um, immunized against rabies and all sorts of other diseases. And they're going to have a handler with each of these little colonies that's out there and these specific neighborhoods where the rats are particularly bad um whether the call you know the, the the handler will provide them with food and water i guess food in addition to the rats that they'll be eating um but they feel that yeah <laughs> this really is the great plan we can only imagine that after this is successful they'll have to bring in burmese pythons to chase out all the feral cats i didn't even it know that cats out. no i didn't even know that cats ate rats i didn't know that I mean, I, uh, I, 
I would have thought that rats were tougher and stronger and would eat the cats, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Do either of you guys know anything about no, I, I mean, feral cats? It's obviously a really yeah. stupid I, idea. I don't know but. that they eat them. I know that they kill right. them. This is obviously a, a take Mother Nature and lay the points type of situation. And in yes. fact, I would cite sure. the earlier reference story of the tiger. Granted, that's not a feral cat, but the tiger roaming the streets of Houston, which the, the, the one way this could work and and – you mentioned a lot of caveats there, Nigel, but I didn't hear the one thing that would be needed, and that's to have like a microchip either embedded or on a or on a collar or something where uh, where the guy at the home office can flick a switch and immediately these animals are electrocuted and died oh, uh, and killed. And, I, and I'm not wow. saying that should be done. Just to clarify, yes. I'm not saying that should be done, but it's like you, you put a wild animal. I don't care that it's neutered. I don't care that it's got a handler. It's like you're, you're putting a wild really animal stupid. in the city. And animal gonna animal. Uh, by the way, Tony. Can I offer a contrary take? Please, sure. After this succeeds, what we're gonna do is we're gonna get an island, and we've got a little <laughs> bit of dinosaur DNA left over. What we do is we engineer the dinosaurs, we, we make it an amusement park. This, this idea's got some legs, you know? So unbelievable that Chicago would be in this position. <laughs> Never works. Yes. No, it's not going to work. You should Chicago than D.C. On, on being from the rattiest city, rattiest city in America. <laughs> Wilbon is so rhapsodic, not rhapsodic, but rhapsodic about <laughs> Chicago. I, I just think, oh, yeah, he'll just go, oh, yeah, so what? No, so what? All right. Thanks, that everybody. Thank Have you, a good, guys. Yeah, you will be people on I-95. You don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> now we'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back with a jingle and some email. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Jeremy Vint in uh, Vancouver in British Columbia. We have played this before. It is fantastic. Aquarium music. It's fantastic. He works in Vancouver as a professional musician, but one of his hobbies has been analog synthesizers here with affected flugelhorn, he adds parenthetically. It's like you're waking up and water is sort of pouring down on you, but it makes you happy. It's like you're descending levels into the shark tank it's at the Baltimore just Aquarium. just so wonderful. That is so wonderful. Nigel, do you want to give us the Bethesda bagel ad, please? Yes, thank you very much, Mr. Tony. Bethesda bagels, we love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. areas nearest you, then pop on in, and you will be thrilled. So I don't, uh, I'm unfamiliar with the couplet that you have sent today, oh. which is on the streets... Oh, the streets of Rome are filled with rubble. Ancient footprints are everywhere. You could almost think you're seeing double on a cold, dark night on the Spanish stairs. I'm unfamiliar with that. Oh, that's a song uh, written by Bob Dylan called When I Paint My Masterpiece and covered brilliantly okay. by the band. I, I thought you were familiar with that one. I'm sorry. I was not. Thanks to our guest today, Steve Sands, and what is written here, Chris Salazzo and Gary Tatalia. Uh, <laughs> thanks to our sponsors as well, MeUndies and Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play and Odyssey. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Mark Schwab in Brentwood, Tennessee, I'm no stranger to the connective tissue of the show. Littles in my life include my dad, my idiot brother, his wife, <laughs> and my friends Travis, Logan, and Emily, to name a few. But I felt truly connected to you, Dr. Tony, when the Walton County Water Department called and told us our rental house was using five gallons of water every minute for 48 hours. I finally understand the fury with which you go through life. That, sir, is connective tissue. Yeah, the, the, they're, they hung me out to dry in Rehoboth. The city manager said, no, we're not doing anything for you. We measured this, and this is what it is, $1,070. We'll see. 
from Peter Jennings, not that Peter Jennings. Love the discussion you and the new HOFer Will Bond about had about Usain Bolton and Larry Fitzgerald. So fun and brought back two great experiences and humble brags. Was it real for the Olympics and had the best seats imaginable for the 100 meter final? Electric atmosphere is an understatement. Before the race begins, head of Dow Security taps me on the shoulder and asks if Clay Thompson, yes, that Clay Thompson can sit with us. Clay was without a ticket, it seems. Incredulous, I said, yeah, duh. Proof of life sent under separate cover. Amazing experience that I will never forget and no one believes. Clay Thompson, one of the nicest, most humble people I've ever met. Fast forward to the 2019 New Zealand Open outside Queenstown, New Zealand at a Millbrook resort. Millbrook is 12-hour flight and then a two-hour flight from Phoenix, not to mention 20-hour time difference. During practice round, I was waiting on tea and the guy in group behind us was unmistakably Larry Fitzgerald. I got up enough courage to introduce myself after the round. I said something terrible in name like you're a long way from home. He said he loves golf and this place was on his bucket list. He was so kind, took pictures with anyone who asked all week, most of whom thought he was a rugby player. Larry Fitzgerald does indeed get around, as we said with Steve Sands. Uh, Boaz Roth, the chair of the English department and the director of athletics at the Thomas Jefferson School in St. Louis. Greetings from St. Louis, old sport. My name is Boaz Roth. Don't, don't bother. You butchered it when you tried saying it on the air in um, 2014. I'm a high school teacher in St. Louis. I recently interviewed a candidate for a teaching position, Eric Steer. I'm a transplant from New Jersey, and as Mr. Steer reviewed his background, he mentioned he grew up in the Garden State and he attended Blair Academy. I couldn't resist asking him if Chan Hardwick was head of school when he attended. Not only did he say yes, but he reported that he and Lizzie attended public school together. You can imagine my next question, did you ever meet Lizzie's husband? He recalled the name Michael, but not much else. Then came the ultimate question, do you know who Mr. Tony is? Mr. Who, he responded. Lizzie's father-in-law, I breathlessly replied. I'm afraid not, he calmly stated, perhaps taken aback by my sudden unhinged manner. Is he well known for anything? How does one even begin to answer that question? Despite his relative ignorance, Mr. Steer was a fantastic candidate and earned the job. As his future department chair, it appears that in addition to mentoring him in our grading system, classroom etiquette, and COVID protocols, I will need to introduce him to the grandeur of PTI and the glory of the podcast. Stay healthy and safe. Isn't that nice? Lovely. From Doug in Santa Barbara. Even though I'm not named Steve, I figured I'd share what happened to me today. In town, I saw a man get out of a car wearing a Peloton shirt. Yeah, real Peloton shirt. And my first reaction was, Michael, is that you? But then I noticed the man got out of a Tesla. So my second thought was, oh, God, no, Saliza must have gotten a Peloton. But then I realized this would never happen, even though maybe he should, since everyone keeps telling him to eat things. Then this led to my third thought. Does seeing a Peloton shirt count as a David Aldrich moment? After all, hey, I know that shirt. I'll take my answer off the air. Sure. A haiku for cicadas from Shad. Backyard killing fields, feeding frenzied birds as big as sumo wrestlers. From Brian Bowles. Mr. Tony, can we get a shout out to Marshall University's men's soccer team who last night won the school's first national championship over Indiana with a golden goal in OT. An unseated team from Conference USA, they rolled through soccer blue bloods like Saliza's defending champs Hoyas, number one seed Clemson, and Hoosiers on the road to win the championship. I don't know anything about soccer, but it's an amazing feeling as you see your school win. You know, like all those basketball conference titles in Binghamton. And this is a proud Marshall grad from the class of 2000. P.S. Tony, can you tell my best friend and longtime listener, Brian Lindroth in Louisville, to get down to North Carolina for our golf trip he says we're doing? Thanks. Be happy to do that. From Jamie Armada in Wauwatosa, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Wisconsin. I recently put down a reservation on the 2022 Subaru Outback Wild Wilderness. <laughs> While I don't have children or generally enjoy children, I do like hiking and snowshoeing craft beer. I have a 5K sticker and a three-legged rescue dog, so I fit the rest of the M.O. Am I still allowed to listen to the show and PTI by extension, or just not in my new Subaru when it gets delivered? Thanks. What do we think, Michael? Oh, definitely. He can still listen, <laughs> yeah. but just not in the Subaru. Right. And one more about Subaru. And this is from Doug Tilton in New Vienna, Ohio. Hey, Satchmo, I knew you'd be excited to hear about the 2023 Subaru Solterra EV. This is Subaru's first electric vehicle. That means the future Subaru drivers will not only care more about their children, they will also care, care more about our planet. P.S. My wife drives a Subaru. How do we have all these Subaru people? <laughs> How do we have this? Oh, oh, one more. Trevor Bast in Victoria in British Columbia, Canada. About horses. How does a trainer know if the horse has aches and pains? Do they complain? If they deny pain, do you believe them? What about prescribed exercise? How do we know they do them? Fantastic. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. But I still need a bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the micro-wave. <laughs>
Yeah. 